A good evening. Welcome into Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Have you for the next hour or so until 9 o'clock as we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball as we get closer and closer and closer to opening day. If you want to talk about the Brewers today, we welcome your phone calls and text on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, the phone number 414-799-1620. Again, that's 414-799-1620. You can also uh, get involved in the program by tweeting at me. The Twitter handle is Matt Pauley Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio, and uh, I monitor that throughout the course of the show as well. So if you tweet at me and I'm doing what I say I'm going to do, I'll catch that at some point uh, over the the course of the program. Interesting day today for the Brewers. Interesting in the sense that it did not go real well for uh, Junior Guerra. Three and two-thirds innings. Gives up 12 runs, seven earned on 10 hits, one strikeout, and two walks. Uh, when I was doing the crosstalk with Greg before we came on, I said, you know, I kind of give guys, everybody, every starting pitcher, I give them a mulligan in spring, sometimes a couple mulligans in spring. Greg made the great point that, hey, it's late in spring training now. This is not exactly, uh, this is not early, and you don't want to see these kinds of struggles this late in spring. And I get that, um, but you know, for the most part, he's been pretty good. It was his first uh, big league uh, cactus league game since the 13th, so 10 days, a week and a half since he last pitched, and. Before he had this game today, he had given up a total of two runs in four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten innings. So he'd been fine until today. So I'm not going to worry too much. Now he has one more start in spring training. If that start looks like this start today, then I start to worry a little bit. And he is your opening day starter after what he accomplished uh, last year. The Brewers have a good top of the rotation, a one-two punch with Junior Guerra and Zach Davies. Those two guys should be able to limit any type of a long losing streak that the Brewers might have over the course of the year. We've got a lot to get into today, and we're really going to start breaking down the roster because moves are being made, and with those moves, we're starting to get a better idea of what the roster is going to look like. The the one area that we still really don't know what's going to happen with is starting rotation. There are still seven guys competing for five spots, and if you get rid of the, the top two in Guerra and Davies, then there's still five guys competing for three spots. If you get rid of, uh, if you put Willie Peralta in there as well, which I think he's got a job, at that point then you've got the the four guys competing for two spots. I mean, we can keep doing the math, we can keep going down the line, but uh, we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about the starting pitching situation coming up here in just a while as well. The catching tandem looks to be pretty much set. Now, who's going to be the starter and who's going to be the backup? That is not set. But we, we all but know who's going to be on the roster when the season gets started in terms of catchers. And the bullpen is starting to uh, come together as well. You know, the big moves that were made here over the last few days, Jabba Chamberlain was released. And that was a bit of a surprise. Uh, he had pitched well enough in spring. He had an ERA that was just above three. But he hadn't had any clean innings. He led the staff in walks and... The Brewers just said, you know what, we've got other guys who we think are better. And credit to the Brewers for saying, we're going to let this guy go now and not in a week, week and a half when the market is flooded. 
So they he, they give him an opportunity to go find another job sooner than later. And he didn't do anything to uh, to embarrass himself. If he wants to continue pitching, I would think he would definitely have the opportunity to uh, to continue to pitch. Uh, so we'll get into uh, the bullpen situation, the starting pitching situation, the catching situation, the other moves made this week. Yadiel Rivera sent back down. They want him to play every day at AAA. One of the more shocking moves, Michael Reed, who has been a September call-up each of the last two years, he was sent down. That's not the shocking part. The shocking part is he gets sent down to AA. And it's not because of his performance that he gets sent down to AA. It's because of how stacked the organization is from an outfield standpoint. Already option to AAA in the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, you have Lewis Brinson, you have Brett Phillips, and you have Ryan Cordell. Three guys that the Brewers want playing every single day. Um, and Kyle Wren is expected to end up there as well. So if you would have sent Michael Reed to AAA, you would have had those five outfielders. You know, Maybe you can play Cordell over at first base a bit if you, if you really want to, but just, there's not enough at-bats. And that, is a, that, that's, that shows you how in the last year, year and a half, as much as two years, but really year to year and a half, how how deep that this team has gotten to it. It's it's at a point now where you've got a guy who has been a September call up each of the last two seasons, and there's so much outfield depth they can't even find him regular playing time at AAA, and they have to send him down to AA. And it's a credit to David Stearns. It, it, look, it's a credit to Doug Melvin as well. Before Stearns, the rebuild started at the end of the Melvin era. And people like to be very critical of Doug Melvin because of the the situation that the team was in uh, in his final year. But he got the rebuild started, and this team certainly accomplished some things with him as the general manager as well. So sometimes he gets a bit of a uh, of a raw deal, I think, in terms of how people view him. And you know, without without Doug Melvin, there's no Zach Davies, there's no Domingo Santana. So he definitely had a, a, a big role in this thing as well. So we got a lot to get to. Again, if you would like to join us, we welcome your phone calls and text messages on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620, or feel, to, feel free to drop me a tweet, at Matt Pauley Radio, that's M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio. Take a break, come back, and uh, we'll go through the updated starting pitching situation and where everybody is at at this point in time as we're a couple weeks out from opening day, and they got to figure out who those five guys are going to be before, uh, before all is said and done. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. We're getting closer and closer to opening day. We had spring training baseball on uh, earlier today. Not exactly the best game for the Brewers. They get pounded pretty good, losing to the A's 15-5. This game was 6-0 after two innings. Uh, eventually, the A's would jump out to, what was it, a 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 nothing lead at one point in time in this game. 12 nothing through four innings. That's a that's a tough one. You 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 get those occasionally in spring training. It happens. It just it just happens. And look, we get those occasionally during the course of uh of the regular season. I'll tell you what. I I spent uh if you've listened to the program at all and know anything about me, you've heard me mention this before. I spent 6 years broadcasting baseball 
for the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. You want to see some ridiculous, crazy games sometimes. I can't tell you how many four- to five-hour games with each team scoring double-digit runs, home runs, airs, all kinds of pitchers, position players coming in to pitch. I mean, the the stuff I saw in Colorado Springs, uh, you don't see... Very many places. You you see some things. You absolutely see some things. So I see a 15-5 game, and you know what? That's that's old hat to me. That is uh, that is absolutely old hat. It's it's a it's a funny ballpark. And actually, when the wind isn't blowing at all, when it's a still day, sometimes that seems like that's when the ball is flying out even even more. So uh, sometimes it's a pitcher's ballpark if the wind is blowing in. Sometimes it's not. It's a it's a crazy place, and that's why there's been so much conversation here over the last couple of years about uh, what the Brewers need to do in terms of sending pitchers down, whether or not they want them to come through uh, Colorado Springs. Uh, you're going you're gonna to have some snow outs. You're going to have some other things. Here's something that's interesting about the ballpark. This is, this is the, the most ridiculous aspect of the ballpark. So you have snow outs and you have freeze outs and you have you have all that stuff in the first couple uh, months of the season when they built the ballpark the piping around the ballpark is not insulated so when it gets below like 20 degrees outside it can handle 32 but when you're getting down to like 25 20 degrees they have to turn the water off in the ballpark so at that point bathrooms are unavailable, showers are unavailable, all that stuff is unavailable. So they have to cancel games or postpone games. But you know, sometimes you might be able to play when it's that cold if there's no snow. Not there, because they have to literally turn the water off at, uh, at that point. There has been times where it got unexpectedly that cold during the course of the game, and they had to turn off the water in the middle of the game so the players get back to the clubhouses after the game, and there's no shower. So, so there you go. There's your, there's your moment of uh, levity in terms of what, what happens sometimes in Colorado Springs with, uh, with that ballpark. All right, so uh, starting pitching. Uh, the Brewers have seven guys for five spots right now, and technically two spots are taken when you've got uh, Guerra and Davies. I think three spots are taken. I think Willie Peralta's got one. So how does everybody else look? So you got the four other guys who are competing for the starting uh, rotation. Uh, and in no particular order, Chase Anderson, Tommy Malone, Jimmy Nelson, Matt Garza. It seems like every week around this time we do a quick update of what the starting pitching music is. We need like, uh, we need like theme music. For this segment each week, what the who the starting pitchers look to be this week for the Brewers. But here's very quickly what happened over the course of uh, the past week. Matt Garza was very much looking like the odd man out, and with the amount of money that the Brewers are paying Garza, thirteen million dollars, and the fact that uh, he's a veteran guy, he's the one veteran guy there. And to Matt Garza's credit. From everything I see, he seems to be doing a great job working with younger pitchers. So I'm of the belief that Garza is going to be given absolutely every opportunity to make this team and be part of the starting rotation. That it would just take, it would have to be a clear and obvious decision where Garza was obviously not a good choice for the rotation and that there were guys that were obviously better for that spot 
for him not to do it. So Garza, up until this most recent start, his ERA was hanging out between 6 and 9 from one start to another. It got as high as 8.31. Then this last time out, he goes three and two-thirds innings. He allows one run on six hits. He strikes out five. He walks two. That was a major step forward. That was a big, big step forward. And I think that puts Garza kind of back into the race. Uh, leading into that game, I would have told you, and a lot of people would have told you, Garza is not going to make this team. They're going to have to figure out something with him, uh, maybe just cut ties and eat the salary, whatever it might be. But Garza's most recent start, if he can follow that up with another start like that, I don't know if he, he's probably got two starts left in spring training, I would think. I don't know that for sure. Uh, you would uh, He's got a pretty good chance to, to be right there and competing for it. Um, Jimmy Nelson. His last time out, he goes five and two-thirds innings, allows three runs on two hits. He has four strikeouts and one walk. That's a solid performance from Jimmy Nelson. I mean, it's not great, but it's not bad. So that's a, that's a, that's a good spot for him to be in at this point. And like Garza, I think Nelson is a guy that you can't put into the bullpen. So that, that's part of the consideration as well. Because the other two guys, Tommy Malone and Chase Anderson, you probably can put into the bullpen if need be. And that's part of this decision-making process as well. You know, what do you do with Jimmy Nelson if he doesn't make the rotation? What do you do with Matt Garza if he doesn't make the rotation? With Garza, it's release him. He's done at that point. He's played his last game as a member of the Brewers. So you've got Chase Anderson and Tommy Malone, two guys who you probably could put into the bullpen if you needed to. Anderson's going to pitch again tomorrow. His last time out was against Colorado. He pitched well, four innings, allowed one run on four hits, uh, one strikeout. Walks were a bit of an issue. He had four walks in four innings, so that's the only thing that you really look at that. But he's got a 2.70 ERA through spring, so he's been solid. You, you can't take anything away from him at that point. And then Tommy Malone, right now he's got a 3.12 ERA through spring. He'll pitch again tomorrow as well has given up just three runs on 11 hits and eight and two-thirds innings, five strikeouts. He has not walked anybody. He's a left-hander, which is one reason that you might want to put him in the bullpen. But, you know, something about Tommy Malone that I think is worth mentioning. Everybody says, oh, he pitched in the bullpen a little bit last year with the Twins. He'll be fine in the bullpen. That was really his first time pitching in the bullpen, and he didn't have a lot of success. Just because you've done it doesn't really mean anything. Have you done it? And have he had success with it? And Malone hasn't especially been a successful bullpen guy. He might be more successful in the starting rotation. So that's where we're at right now. I guess if I had to make a prediction, Guerra, Davies, Peralta, um, and then and, and Peralta was in the World Baseball Classic. He has not. Uh, he's in Cactus League play. He has no record of 1.29 ERA. But yeah, I'd go Guerra, Davies. Uh, Peralta, I think I think Garza and Anderson are probably competing for that final spot with Jimmy Nelson in, and I gotta think Tommy Malone's gonna be out to start the season. That that would be my best guess. We'll do this again next week, and we'll go back through the numbers and see what it looks like at that point. But it's a very fluid situation, and it's going to be a tough decision to make for uh, for Craig Council, David Stearns, and everybody else who's involved in the decision-making process. They've got more pitchers than they have spots, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun to see how this whole thing plays out. 
The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is available, 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. We'll take a break, and uh, when we come back, did you enjoy the World Baseball Classic? Did you watch the World Baseball Classic? Were you into the World Baseball Classic? The numbers say you were, but numbers aren't always completely truthful. We'll talk about it next on WTMJ. Weekly continues here on WTMJ. After the long West Coast road trip, the Bucks return home to take on Dwight Howard and the Atlanta Hawks. Ted Davis and Dennis Krause will have our coverage tomorrow night beginning at 640 here on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly. If you'd like to get involved in the program, you can do so. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line available to you at 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. You can text that number. You can call that number. Either way, it gets to me. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley Radio, if you would uh, like, and we'll uh, try to get to some uh, questions and some answers from some tweets uh, later on on the program. So the World Baseball Classic comes to an end. The United States wins. They, they win for the first time. And by the way, the, the absolute best thing about the United States winning the World Baseball Classic was Jim Leland. This man could not keep it together. He was so proud and he was so happy that he got to manage for his country and got to win a championship. Like, you just couldn't help but feel so happy for that man. And, you know, he, look, he's an older guy. And listening to everybody on that team talk about what it was like to to play for him, it was that that was fun for me just to hear. And I I I love it when when managers or coaches, whatever sport it might be, have a major impact on a team and are able to to say the right things and push the right buttons. And I think Leland absolutely did that, and uh, that that was fun. That was that was a lot of fun. So the U.S. wins. I guess the big question is, how big of a deal is the World Baseball Classic? Now, let me give you some numbers. I'm going to present both sides. And if you did you watch it? Did you enjoy it? Did you only watch you know the, the final couple games for the U.S. or the championship game? Were you locked in from the absolute beginning of it? We'll take your phone calls if you want to talk about it at 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So some numbers got released earlier today about the World Baseball Classic. And these are some impressive numbers. So the attendance for, for the event across the board, we're talking about uh, the games overseas, the ones here in the United States, San Diego, Los Angeles. I think they played some games in Miami, if I remember correctly. Obviously, they played, uh, I think, in Japan it was. I mean, they played all over the place. The attendance, they set attendance records, and attendance was up 23%. That's a significant number, 23% attendance. That championship game the other night, 3.1 million people watch it between the broadcast on MLB Network and the Spanish-language broadcast on uh, ESPN Deportes and ESPN2, they get 3.1 million people to watch it. That's a good number. That is a very, very good number. MLB Network, last week, had their best week of ratings in the history of the network. So from start to finish, 
That that's the best week they've ever had. And in fact, that championship game was the second most watched event ever on MLB Network. Last year there was a uh, divisional game, I think between the Cubs and the Giants that's the most ever watched. Uh, this game the other night was the second most watched event and for a week, uh, an entire week that was the best ever for MLB Network, and then merchandise sales were up 50% this year. So the, the bottom line on uh, what I say all that, the good folks at Major League Baseball, they hear all that, and the, the, the two words that they hear when I say that are cha and ching, because they're making a whole lot of money off that. I, I, I had a general enjoyment of the World Baseball Classic in the sense that Baseball was on at weird times, and I liked that. I'm someone who, I'm generally up at about 5 o'clock in the morning uh, in my home office doing some work pretty early in the day. And for for there to be baseball on from uh, 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock in the morning was fantastic. So I, I enjoyed, I had a general enjoyment of kind of that first round of pool play. It lost me in the second round. I completely stopped caring during the second round, and I came back around for the championship game, and I enjoyed that. It's a really long event, and because, and I think it feels longer than maybe even it actually is because of the time of year when it's coming. It's happening right in the middle of, of spring training. You have... You have a double elimin- you have you have four double elimination pools where two teams advance from each, and then you go to two pools and uh, teams advance out of that, and then you go into the final championship series where four teams are able to get into that. It just it took a while, and we talk about this all the time. We've talked about it before. What's the answer? The answer is not moving it to a different time of year. If you do it right after baseball season. You're going to have guys, more guys are not going to play. They're just not going to be available to play after the long season. If you push it out into winter too much, then you're pushing it into the time where winter ball is played. And especially in those Latin American countries, winter ball is a really big deal. But probably even more more important than that is prospects, organizations' prospects, go and play winter ball. That's a big part of of the maturation process for some of the top baseball players. So moving it to the middle of winter doesn't make any sense either. It's at the only time that they probably can do it. And sometimes, you know, with the U.S. doing what they did this year, that was pretty cool. Now, to be honest with you, if the United States would not have made it into that final grouping, or even if the United States would have have lost uh, their second-to-last game, because I wasn't even locked back in at that point, and what if it would have been Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic? I think that's who the United States beat in their second to last game. Even if it would have been that, I don't think I would have been real locked in on it. So I don't know what the answer is. The fact that the U.S. won, the way they won, the way they played, the fact that they kind of had the enthusiasm that 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 matched the way there's enthusiasm for the game in some Latin American countries, that definitely added to it. A successful World Baseball Classic. I don't know what that means about it going forward, but I do know those numbers say Major League Baseball made a lot of money. Don't forget, they own that network. 
they just had their best week of ratings ever, that's going to result in a lot of money for Major League Baseball. The World Baseball Classic will absolutely be back coming up in four years. Uh, the bullpen is taking shape, as is the catching situation for the Brewers. We'll go through uh, both of those position groups. But first off, who are the two catchers going to be for the Brewers, and who's going to be starting on opening day? We'll try to answer that question. We have a little bit more information on that than we did even a couple days ago. We'll do that next. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Weekly continues here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Wally. Thanks so much for being tuned in. It's a point is appointment television making a comeback. Check out Gene Miller's latest blog where he examines the reserves a resurgence of Saturday Night Live ever since the November election. It's up now on the Wisconsin's morning news page of WTMJ.com. And completely just um blatant plug here for something that I'm involved with uh, over at uh, WTMJ.com and WTMJ Mobile. We've got uh, Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Would love for you to uh, check that thing out. If you've got the mobile app, you just go to WTMJ Mobile on the mobile app, or you go to WTMJ.com, you go to iTunes, wherever it might be. And uh, every week we have a brand new uh, Brewers uh, podcast. Generally lasts somewhere between 40 minutes and an hour. We talk with uh, people from the minor league affiliates. We talk to some of the best bloggers out there. We talk to a lot of folks and try to go really in-depth on the Brewers. It's uh, That medium kind of allows us to go a little bit more, I guess, inside baseball, you could say, uh, as opposed to some of the stuff we do here. So make sure to uh, check that out. It generally drops late Sunday night. So as you wake up Monday morning, it's your Monday morning gift. Mondays always stink. Well, hey, at least you've got... The Brewers Extra Innings podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile uh, every every Monday morning. So, And for people, if, if you're one of the folks out there that have been listening, the numbers have been really good. So appreciate everybody who, uh, who have been listening into it. It's been a lot of fun. It's a new project that we've got going on and something that I've been able to, uh, been able to enjoy doing. All right, so we know who one of the Brewers catchers is going to be on opening day. And quite honestly, we really know who both are going to be. Uh, but only one is official, and that's Manny Pena. And to me, Pena was going to be the odd man out going into spring training. And even though he didn't have any options left, he was the one catcher that could not be sent down to the minor leagues without clearing waivers first. Even with all of that, I didn't think Manny Pena was going to be on the opening day roster. I didn't, you know, I I thought they would designate him for assignment at the end of spring training, and he would go down, and you know, maybe maybe he would be claimed by another team, maybe he wouldn't, but I thought he was destined for AAA. Well, what does he do? So far in spring training, he is hitting 425 with three home runs and 11 RBIs, has a 775 slugging percentage, has uh, he has struck out seven times, but in 40 at bats, that's not bad. Hasn't really drawn any walks. That's not really his game, but uh, he's been very good at the plate. And he is a good defensive catcher. Now, I understand with the Brewers, Brewers fans are spoiled. Absolutely, 100%, no doubt about it, spoiled. Jonathan Lucroy set a standard behind the plate for the Brewers that is going to be tough to match. Might be impossible to match. I mean, when we're talking about Lucroy... 
we're talking probably the greatest catcher in Brewers history. A guy who went out and played every day and was so good defensively. A guy, you know, going. we were just talking about the World Baseball Classic. Who caught that final pitch? That was Jonathan Lucroy. And that was fun, too. I talked so much about Jim Leland and how fun it was to watch uh, him and the way he was able to celebrate. It was cool to see uh, Jonathan Lucroy be right there as they finished that off. So, to compare a Manny Pena, to compare a Jet Bandy, to compare an Andrew Susak to... Um, to, to Jonathan Lucroy, it's not fair to anybody. And uh, catcher is kind of the position in the organization that there's not a lot of depth in. A ton of infield depth, especially on the middle, a ton of outfield depth, good pitching depth. They, they've got Jacob Nottingham, and beyond that, there's just not a lot. There's some guys, there was the, there was the Latin American kid who was drafted uh, this past year who there's some hope for him, but he's still years and years away. So uh, that's why there was talk about Matt Wieters at one point being signed. There's been talked about other catchers being brought in. So Manny Pena has been told that he is going to make the team. Whether or not he's your starting catcher or not, that's uh, that's unknown. And by the way, uh, a note from Adam McAlvey over at uh, Brewers.com and MLB.com. So... These two guys, uh, Junior Guerra, who will be the opening day starter, and Manny Pena, they live like 10 minutes away from each other. And if, um, if, they can, if they are the battery for opening day, it will be the first time in Major League Baseball history that there is a Venezuelan-born battery in an opening day game. Uh, the only other tandem that has existed was uh, Seattle's Felix Hernandez and Jesus Montero uh, back in the day. Uh, not back in the day, about three years ago in 2013. All right, so, so he's, he's on the roster. In all likelihood, he's going to be the starting catcher. The backup, or the other catcher, however it turns out to be, probably going to be Jet Bandy. And more than any other reason, that's because Andrew Susak is banged up. Uh, he was sent back to Milwaukee earlier today. Uh, they're doing all kinds of tests on him. He's been dealing with uh, he's been dealing with injury, so uh, it's a neck injury right now. Which you know those things tend to linger, especially for a catcher. You do not want a neck injury as a catcher. So at first, I thought it was going to be Susak and Bandy as the catchers to start the season, and I was expecting Susak to be the starter and Bandy to be the backup. I was completely wrong on that prediction. Uh, looks like Manny Pena and Jet Bandy are going to be the catchers, and in all likelihood, Pena is going to be the starting catcher. Bandy's going to be the backup. This is not going to be the same percentage though when Jonathan Lucroy was around, where he's going out and he's playing, you know, four or five games, five or six games, whatever it might be. It's not going to be 50-50, but 60-40. 65-35, probably somewhere in there. The backup catcher is going to play a lot more for the Brewers this upcoming season. And uh, just another good story. Spring training is about good stories. And Manny Pena being able to make this team absolutely is a good story. And He's probably going to be the starting catcher. The bullpen, it is starting to take shape as well. We'll get into that. How has Neftali Feliz been pitching so far uh, in spring training? We'll answer that question coming up in uh, just a moment. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continuing here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Bowling has been a big part of Wisconsin's history and culture for decades 
How has the sport gone about trying to keep current among younger people? Get the details on Wisconsin's afternoon news at 3.34 tomorrow. Quickly, uh, some weather information, and Belinda will have a lot more with our news coming up at uh, 9 o'clock. But we do have a severe thunderstorm warning that is in effect for the next 40 minutes until 9.30. That is for Racine County. The severe thunderstorm warnings for uh, southeast Jefferson County and southern Waukesha County, those both expired at 8.45. But if you're in Racine County, just be safe. Severe thunderstorm warning in existence until 9.30. We, of course, will continue to keep you updated on the weather uh, throughout the course of the evening. So the bullpen starting to come together a bit for the Brewers. Michael Blazik was sent down this week, and, man, he was bummed out. He was really bummed out. I wasn't there. I've only read reports, but uh, I guess he got rather emotional when he found out that he was going to, to AAA. And not just because he had to pitch in the rare air of Colorado Springs. It was a, uh, it was not something that he was expecting. But he'll be back with the club at some point this year. He'll probably, uh, depending on who else gets sent down and, and how this thing all fares out, uh, he in all likelihood will uh, be back at some point in time. So right now the bullpen looks like this. Neftali Feliz is your closer. He has been okay in spring. 5.14 ERA. He's given up uh, six runs, four earned, and seven innings. But over the course of his last three outings and three innings, he's given up just one run. His last time out, he pitched a, a scoreless, hitless inning. So he seems to be rounding into form. Nobody is uh, overly concerned about Neftali Feliz. He will be the closer, and he'll get that first chance at being the closer. The only other guys that we know for sure are into the bullpen. Uh, Carlos Torres had a guaranteed job. Corey Knable's going to be there. And then Jan Mariñez has been told that he will make the opening day roster. I believe it's going to be his first opening day roster in his career. And he did a nice job last year. There was, this, there was a point uh, through the first three months of the year where that final bullpen spot was just a rotation of guys. And they kept claiming guys off waivers. They didn't work out. They were designating them for assignment. They were either going to AAA or they were just leaving the organization. And then Jan Mariñez comes in. And Mariñez, when he throws strikes, he's unhittable. His only issue is throwing strikes. He walks a lot of guys. But when he's throwing strikes, he is absolutely electric. So he's in. Uh, Corey, Corey, Carlos Torres, Corey Knabel, Neftali, Feliz. The other side of this that they're trying to figure out is who they don't, who does not make the starting rotation could end up in the bullpen. So if Matt Garza doesn't make the starting rotation, he's probably done. If Jimmy Nelson doesn't make the starting rotation, uh, I would guess he's headed to AAA. I, I, he just doesn't look like a bullpen guy. But if Chase Anderson or Tommy Malone don't make the starting rotation, in all likelihood, those guys would be in the bullpen. So they're in the running. Uh, the other three, four spots, depending on if they keep uh, seven or eight guys, you've got Jacob Barnes, who Barnes was really good last year, and I'm, I'm high on Barnes. I think he's going to be a pretty spectacular relief pitcher. I think he's probably a closer of the future, at least a back end of the bullpen guy. But his numbers this year in spring haven't been good. 
he's sitting with a uh, 12.71 ERA. So those uh, he may be on the wrong side of this at that point. Uh, Tyler Cravey is still uh, in contention. Cravey at this point has pitched pretty well in spring, 1-0, 2.61 ERA, a guy who's started a lot in the minors, can be a long guy out of the bullpen. Taylor Youngman, credit to him because he's been a starter He's trying to kind of remake himself as a bullpen guy. In 10 appearances in spring, 1.59 ERA. Youngman has been really good, and he's got 10 strikeouts and 4 walks. That's a ratio you will, uh, you will absolutely take. So that has been uh, that has been good to see. He's in run, the running. Brent Suter, who was effective last year when he came up, uh, soft-throwing left-hander. Suter so far, 1-0, ERA sitting at 4. Uh, all these guys have a chance to make it, even Rob Scahill who isn't on the 40-man roster right now after he was designated during the offseason, he's got a chance. So there's, there's you know, kind of four, five, six guys, depending on what happens with the starting pitching situation, they are going for these jobs. And whether or not they carry an extra pitcher or an extra position player uh, is going to have a lot to do with who makes this team and who doesn't make this team. These are going to be tough decisions, very tough decisions that Craig Council and David Stearns are going to have to uh, come together on. If there's anybody you especially want to see on this team or not on this team, uh, feel free to uh, give us a call, 414-799-1620, or text us. It is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll come back. We'll wrap up uh, this edition of the program. It's up next here on WTMJ. Wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. We are keeping you updated on our weather situation here in the area. A severe thunderstorm warning does continue for Racine County until 9:30. I'll tell you what. I'm looking up at the uh, the, the radar right now. There is a lot of gnarly weather right on top of Lake Michigan. You would not want to be right, you know, halfway uh, between Wisconsin. And, and Michigan right now in uh, in the middle of the lake. It would it would probably be a little bit bumpy out there. But uh, Belinda's got uh, all the updates on the weather coming up here in about three minutes on WTMJ. All right, so this is your Brewers schedule for the rest of the week as they really do start to wind down spring training. They're back in action tomorrow playing against the Cincinnati Reds, and they'll take on the Royals on Saturday and the A's on Sunday. After that, things really starting to uh, slow down after that. Monday's an off day. A couple games against the Indians on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then before you know it, a week from tomorrow, they've got exhibition games against the White Sox at Miller Park. So we're we're not that far from them opening up the gates at Miller Park. Still uh, a couple more spring training broadcasts for you. This Saturday, the game uh, against Kansas City. From a surprise, we'll have that for you. Our broadcast time on Saturday is going to be 2.55. And then the following Saturday, that final exhibition game against the White Sox. That will be our final spring training broadcast. And then we'll be underway with regular season baseball after that. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Brewers Weekly. I appreciate everybody who uh, was tuned in, got the tweets as well. Uh, enjoyed talking to you. We'll be back again next week for another edition of Brewers Weekly. Again, don't forget we've got the game uh, coming up on Saturday against Kansas City, and uh, that will start at 2.55. We'll talk to you again soon here on WTMJ.